Welcome to Be The Best You. I'm your host, Luke Briggs. If you had a family to support, would you quit your six-figure corporate sales job you had been working for years in order to pursue something you had never done before? Well, that's exactly what Robert Martinez did. He wanted to get out of the rat race and find something more in life. So he stumbled upon investing in real estate. Not long after, Robert quit his job to pursue something he had no experience in other than the purchase of his own home. And just over a decade later, it's safe to say he made the right choice. Robert now manages 3,762 apartment units and $380 million in real estate assets through Rockstar Capital and is the only two-time winner of the Independent Rental Owner of the Year Award given by the National Apartment Association. In this episode, he shares his secrets on what he's done to catapult his success and the mindset you must have to succeed no matter your endeavor. If you love this episode, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review so the show can grow and reach more people. Now enjoy this episode with the apartment rock star himself, Robert Martinez. We are back on Be The Best You, and I'm here today with a man who walked away from a six-figure income after a decade in corporate America to pursue a career in real estate. It's safe to say it's worked out for him okay so far. Robert Martinez is the founding principal and CEO of Rockstar Capital, which has 3,762 units and manages $380 million worth of assets. He's won the National Apartment Association Independent Rental Owner of the Year Award twice the only person to win it more than once. One of his properties has also won National Property of the Year, and the company has won numerous. Uh, Robert, is it 17 or is it more now? It's 17, 17 number. Yeah, 17, 17 City, State, and National Apartment Association Awards overall. Uh, Robert's style is, has been go big or go home. He's been very open about his goal to attain 10,000 units and manage $1 billion worth of assets. He's also a digital influencer sought-after speaker and real estate expert. Robert has been featured in a number of notable media outlets, including Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, CNBC, Yahoo Finance. Robert, Robert, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, man, thank you so much uh, for allowing me. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me a chance to speak. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So first off, you know, I, I hate to start the show off like this. But as <laughs> we talked about before we started recording here, we can't ignore it. It's March 2020. The coronavirus is sweeping the world. It's affecting literally everything right now. You know, businesses are shutting down. People are panicking as the economy is tanking. So, Robert, tell me, how have you handled the coronavirus craze and how has it, like, affected your business? That's probably the best question anybody could ever ask, right? Because it's, it's affecting us differently. And it's affecting us independently. You know, there's an expression I like to use. It's called wartime general versus peacetime general. Uh, I think this uh, crisis, this virus, however you want to call it, is affecting everybody. And it's, it's, it's exposing a lot of people who weren't ready for something like this. Like, what did you do during your free time? What did you do during when the years were good? We're in the greatest bull market, you know, ever, like the longest time. And it just came to a screeching halt almost overnight. And did people really think it was going to last forever? You know, over the last 36 months, we spent a lot of time innovating, a lot of time building a brand. You know, three years ago, I didn't have an Instagram handle. Today, I have an Instagram handle. I've got 55,000 followers. I've got, I'm certified on Instagram. I've got a portfolio that not only is large, but is well-funded. I mean, right now, we don't take a dollar in at all in rents. We could survive six months. 
If we can go down all the way down to 60% occupancy, we can survive the better part of a year, you know? So it's like, that's, those are the, those are the kind of things that we did to get ready for this. Absolutely. And, and for those listening, I mean, listen to what Robert just said. He literally knows like the exact numbers like that. Six months, they, they can survive with up to 60% occupancy. I mean, just like talk about what is the level of preparation that you do consistently to be able to prepare for something like this? You know, it, it happened for us about 24 months ago. Um, I, over the last three or six months, I've built a team. It, it was, it was kind of like a one man show me. And there was a two man show with me and my operating officer. And we did, we did this by ourselves every year, every year, every year. Then we realized we want to get a little bit bigger. We want to grow and you've got to recruit talent and the talent today is talent that maybe we weren't we weren't ready for three years ago. That maybe would not have given us a a, a, a sniff. You know what I mean? That they wouldn't have come over. Uh, but we built a brand. I think branding is a big piece of what we've done. We built ourselves as, as an authority in in multifamily real estate, as you mentioned before. You know, I'm the only two time national owner of the year. That that carries a little bit of weight. You know, how did you get to that point? How, how did you get there? Not only that, but my staff invests in my apartment deals, right? So I, I don't want to win alone. I want to being on top of the mountain. I want to have somebody next to me. I want to be able to share stories and, and you know, and, and hit somebody on the back and say, Hey, remember that time? Remember that coronavirus back in, in March, 2020, remember how we got through it? Those are the kind of things, right? But they can't get there if you don't share with them, if you don't educate them, if you don't inspire them to kind of grow with you. Right. So I'm very fortunate today. But we've got the best team we've ever had and um, everybody's pulling their own weight. I'm on conference call after conference call after conference call. So it, I, I'm not afraid to discuss it because I have all the numbers. I mean, I'm constantly, kept in the loop but back in the day it was just me it was just me having to figure this out and I was a lot smaller back then but I also remembered I, I, this is not my first rodeo like I survived the recession I was there and I got in real estate in 2007 so uh right before we bought our first deal in December of 2007 and then the recession hit in, at the end of 08 and it was a survival of the fittest it really was and I, I credit my sales background we've been able to help my staff help them become better salespeople and be able to listen and ask questions of the people coming in. And, you know, but it was crazy. I remember like it was 30 leases, 30 move outs, 30 move-ins, 30 move outs, 30 move-ins throughout the whole cycle. It was nuts. Wow. And, and obviously, as you mentioned, and something I was going to bring up is you've been through this before and, you know, you kind of have the handle on how to handle it or obviously are better equipped than most to handle this. So uh, I want to get more into that and have you share your knowledge about, um, how you built up your success. But, you know, first off, uh, before we share the tips and strategies that we're going to go over later in the show, I want to get into your journey of how you got into real estate investing. And I always like to start from the very beginning because I believe it gives people context and can help people better relate. So where did you grow up and what were things like for you during your childhood? And were you always this driven? Yeah, I, I grew up in South Texas, uh, a border town, about maybe 20 minutes from the border between the United States and Mexico. Uh, my dad worked for Whataburger, which in Texas is a pretty big name. They, they're the fast food king uh, for hamburgers. It, it's a family-owned company. Uh, and, you know, I learned from my dad a lot of incredible lessons on how to treat people, how to inspire people, how to work as a team, how to motivate them, right? And just kind of just learning. Not that he ever sat down with me and said, hey, this is how you do it. I just heard him on the phone. You know, he was always on the phone and if he was on the phone. He would take me with him and he'd be having conversations with, 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 with people outside the car where I'd be sitting there in the restaurant listening to him and I'm just doing something else. Right. But you're hearing it. You're hearing it, you know. And so um, um, he was a big influence for me. Um, my mom is like, wow, like if there's ever anybody that, that can believe that they can do anything, that's my mom. My mom's got a tremendous amount of ego and belief in herself. And I think she passed on a little, a little bit of that, right? So <laughs> a little combination of, of, of both my mom and my dad. 
Um, but you know, just like everybody else, I was taught to go to school and get good grades. I went to Texas A&M. Uh, I have an engineering degree, uh, and I was going to become a, a commission sales guy. And if you've ever done commission sales, um, in uh, you know that you have to kill what you're going to eat tonight. And that's where I developed those skills. That's where I sharpened my teeth was back in those early days, back in 2000, what was it, 1997, 98, when I came out of school. Um, and then for the next 10 years uh, working in, in oil and gas, I had to compete with everybody else. And I didn't have their knowledge. I didn't have their experience. I, I, didn't, I couldn't compete with someone like me today. I'm 45 years old today. There's no way a 23-year-old kid's going to com compete with someone like that unless you have a, an exceptional amount of heart. And I wasn't willing to quit. I wasn't willing to give up. Absolutely. And I'm going to stop, uh, pause you right there a second. That's really good. And like you said, you, you develop that what kind of work ethic and heart through your parents growing up. And then, you know, I want to bring up a point that a lot of people think like, oh, he must have just been in real estate investing his whole life and just must have learned from like the time he was born. And, and the fact of the matter is you didn't. It's, I think I heard you say on another show, like you were, a, I mean, you had an engineering degree, you were a W2 employee for a really long time. So how did you choose like that route? So like once you went into college and like right after college, how did you choose the route that you did at that point? Yeah. So what happens is adversity, you know, when you get into the workforce, you think you're going to make this amount of money, but your company actually wants you to make this amount of money. And they do that. They, they play with your commission plans. They monkey with your territories so they can keep you in this number. They take away your best accounts, they give you junk accounts and they want you to grow those, which as the business owner today, I understand, I know what they were doing but you never want to take the motivation away from any good sales guy. Cause he's going to look around. He's going to look for things to do. He realizes he's meant for more. He's better than this. And that's what happened. I got that happened to me two or three times where I should have been making more the next year. And I either made the same or just a little less, but I did more. And that frustrated me. And I began looking for ways to su supplement my income. I looked at laundry facilities. I looked at coin operated, uh, uh, uh vending machines, water machines, um, you know, and then I stumbled into real estate. Again, I had no real estate background other than the house that I own. That's all I did was, you know, and that, 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 that included sitting there at the sales office, signing the contract, picking some designer options with, with, with the builder, signing some financing papers and walking away. That was the extent of my real estate knowledge. I had no idea what I was doing. So no idea what you were doing at that no. point. I mean, a lot of people, and at this point, like, you're, like you said, you're not fresh out of college. Like a lot of people, and I, I remember thinking this myself at, at the time was like, I'm out of college. I'm like destined to do this forever. And it had even been like a decade. So I'm guessing at this point you're into your early thirties. And at this yep. point, like you're, you're I, was, I was, I was, it was in 2007. I joined, I, I found a real estate club and yeah. I realized, wow, this is amazing. Right. And what's so interesting was that the whole club was based on Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad book. Yep. And if you ever read that book, it was life changing for me. But what was funny is that I had that book at 23. I had it on, on audio cassette, oh, really? I, would put it, I would put it in my car and it made no sense to me. I literally one day on a road trip threw it out the window. Like this is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> like this makes no sense to me. And it was so funny how 10 years later, once you grow a little life, you get a little maturity, you get a little life experience that it made so much sense now. And I guess maybe you have to go through the adversity of 10 years working for the man or W2 employee, realizing that you don't have control of your financial future that someone else does. And and it made a lot more sense. I, I think it makes, I think, I think um, kids coming out of school should wait three to four years before they go to college. I really do. I think it would help them mature in their head a little bit so they can absorb the knowledge better, you know, and, and, and really learn from it. And that's what happened for me. That job experience came before I could actually understand financial education because what that book taught me, what they show you in real estate clubs, what you're exposed to, you don't learn in school. 
My dad was the smartest guy that I ever knew. My dad was valedictorian. My dad was like slide rule champ for Texas. He was the number sense champ, which means that he can do really fast numbers in his head. His best friend went to work to NASA. You put a guy on the moon. I mean, that was my dad, but yet he didn't have a clue of what, of what any of this was, or he would have shown me. Wow. You know? And it's just, it's amazing the power of that education you get out of school. It's not the history books. It's not the English books. It's not the math books. It's the education on real estate, on how real estate works. But you take some of those knowledges, right? You take how to work people, right? Because everything's a real, uh, it, real estate is a people business. And if you understand people, you can get, you, you can help them, they'll help you and you get the most out of it. Oh, absolutely. And, and for those, I think a lot of people listening probably do know Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but uh, what he's, he's, Robert is talking about is you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a book that was written in the early 2000s by Robert Kiyosaki, who is uh, obviously a very uh, well-known uh, real estate guy and just success guy right now. But, you know, a lot of real estate investors and people who are successful have read this book. He talks about a dad. His dad is exactly like he described, Robert described his dad as like someone who is like super smart, um, you know, but he doesn't really ever have financial security. And then he's got this other dad, uh, who's like his friend's dad, I believe, who is like running this company, doesn't have any college education, but knows and understands financial literacy. So Robert, so Robert, one thing you said was out of high school, you think kids shouldn't go to college right away. So what do you think kids should do instead? I think they should go to the workforce. I really do. I think they should go and whether that's working at Whataburger flipping burgers or being an intern at an architect company or, or engineering firm, I think you should taste what life has in front of you. And I think that will motivate you a little bit more when you're in school. Mm. I think you'll, you'll get some direction. You'll find out, Oh, I really didn't think I would like maybe being a nurse or, but I got a job as an intern at a hospital and it seems like it's interesting to me. Oh, I never thought I would want to be an architect, but you know, they hired me to be a gopher or a runner at this architecture firm and it's really interesting to me and now there might be a career there like how do you know what you do mm. you know we're robots man we're, we're taught to go to school and get good grades and then what what do you do you become a doctor because that's the highest paid profession you become a teacher because maybe you have a uh um a love for children or you become a bot you know you, you know you get a biology degree what do you do afterwards though there's no money with a biology degree and we all know teachers aren't paid what they're worth. I think people are learning right now, right, with all the homeschooling going on, what teachers re really, really should, should be paid. But um, what do you do? You don't have life experience. I think I really do think they need to put a three to four year uh, um, window there where you're not allowed to go to school until a certain age, and then you start from there. Mm, that's, that's a very interesting thought about it because you're right. I think so many kids, and you know, I can relate to this as well. It's like you think you want to do one thing, then you realize it's not what you thought, and by, at that point, you've spent tens of thousands of dollars on something that you're not even going to use. So you're saying just start out in the workforce and figure out what you want to do because then you know, okay, do I actually want to go to college? Is my degree actually going to be helpful and useful? Because like you said, there are a lot of people who have English degrees, biology degrees, and they end up doing nothing with it. Man, I run a $400 million business and I maybe have three people in my entire organization to have a college degree. <laughs> but yet I have several people make, making 80, 90, 100, $120,000 a year. Without a college degree. Without a college degree. Right. My dad was, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it, it's interesting to you, you know, it's, it's just, it's all about heart and opportunity. And that's what my dad taught me was like, surround yourself with heart. Heart doesn't quit on you. Heart's going to learn, especially if you get them young at 18, 19 years old and they see you and they want to kind of like emulate you and they'll give you all they got. And you learn and you teach them, you invest in them. 
you know, and then one of these days it's time to harvest and they become, you know, your number two in the company. Yeah, amazing approach. I mean, not only do you live that, but you obviously practice it um, with your employees as well. You hire more on their heart and what they want to become than whether they have a college degree. Um, so let's get um, into, so we stopped and we talk, we're talking about, you know, you kind of getting interested in real estate, joining like a local real estate club. Yeah. So like, how did you first get started after that? After that, okay, yeah. So, I was, you know, the best part about these clubs is that you get a chance to network. And I wasn't taught networking. Networking means you go out there and shake hands and kiss babies. You know, I, I wasn't against it. I just didn't, I didn't understand it. You know, uh, um, it, it was, it was, it was foreign to me. But when you go into a real estate club and everybody wants what you want, everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to help each other out. And you start networking. You know, you always hear the expression, your net worth is your network. It's 100% true. And that helped me a lot is that being in a club where everybody wanted the same thing. Everybody was doing the same thing. Everybody was in a, like, I saw a guy, he owned an apartment complex. I wanted to get to know him. Mm. So whenever they would have these bus road trips on Fridays, I'd make sure that I was on that bus road trip because I want to go and see where these people's um, assets were. But more importantly, I want to see where my future was. Mm. I wanted to see what this path was, right? Because you join the club and you pay a bunch of money. I paid $10,000 to join, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, first of all, you have to invest in yourself before you can invest in anything else. I think people who don't get educated in, in real estate or something else are, are crazy because you're going to make a lot of mistakes and going on those bus road trips and, you know, touching stuff like that. And, and, and you know, you, you, you get to touch the building and talk to the staff. I, I think you learn a tremendous amount than just trying to do it on your own because you're going to make a lot of mistakes and mistakes is what kills people's careers. And I want to harp on that point right now, what you just said. You just said a lot of people try to do it on their own and they don't seek out help and guidance. Like you said, you invested $10,000 in this group and understood that like, okay, if I want to go farther in my life, I need other people to help and support me. So for people right now um, who have that mindset, like I need to do this on my own. I can figure it out. I don't need help. I don't need to pay all this money to these other people. Like how do you, what do you say to them? How do you shift that mindset? I think it is a poor mentality mindset. And I don't, I don't think, I don't know anybody. There's no such thing as self-made. No, no such thing as self-made. Everybody had a hand somewhere. You just don't hear that part of the story because you're not born being a real estate guru. You're not born running a $400 company. You have to grow into that, right? And I think when you have people around you or you have education that you're exposed to, all you're doing is someone sharing the map with you on what they did wrong. Don't do this. Like right now, <clears throat> We bought a property in 2014 and it was my first class A, which means it's a brand new property, like fairly recent. And it had elevators. I was so excited with the elevators. I was so, wow, this is amazing. I feel like a real real estate, a real estate guy now because I got a brand new building with elevators. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare owning elevators. Uh, they constantly break. They're very expensive to fix. And the maintenance agreements aren't worth the paper they're, 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 they're printed on. But I share that story, never buy a building with more than three stories because in the in state of Texas, you're required to have an elevator four stories and higher. Mm. Never buy an elevator that has three, that has four stories. I'm sorry, never, 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 never buy a building with an elevator and never buy a building with four stories or higher. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, like you said, you've learned through trial and error, through learning through other people. Like you said, no one is self-made. Everyone gets some help. So at, at first you said you joined this group, you paid to learn from these people. And then from there, talk about how you ended up getting like into your first deal. Like what happened next? 
Yeah. So as you're networking people, you start to be, you start hanging out with like minds and you find somebody or you meet people that can help you get to where you want to go. And I met a business partner. Uh, he and I hit it off, had a relationship. I believe today partnerships aren't good. I'm not a big fan of partnerships because I've been through partnerships that at some point it ha what starts has to end. Mm. It does. And it ends typically under rough circumstances. Right. And so, but at the time it got me what I needed. It got me where I needed. So he had business knowledge. I had local area knowledge and sales ability. He became the face of our company and I became the operational arm, which I would, I would never trade that, that, that path again, because I learned how to be where I'm at today. Mm. Right. Because I had to sit in that chair. So he and I had a little relationship and um, we formed a company. He raised the equity. I ran the deals. So my very first investment was in December of 07. Um, I put $200,000 into it and I immediately felt like I was the smartest guy in the room. And, and I, I really was because nobody had the sales knowledge that I had on how to convince a guy. You know, see, I came from a background where I'm selling a $500,000 piece of equipment to a guy with a PhD. And I have to go through all kinds of sales uh, techniques sure. and, 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 and explain to him why he wants to buy this. I had to give him the unique value proposition on why he needs this piece of equipment for his company. Surely I can do the same thing with a guy selling or renting a $500 apartment to a guy making 30, 40,000 a year. Right. It's the same principle, but it's not about me leasing. It's about showing my teams. So I was very fortunate. I was a sales manager in my previous life. And so I, I had 30 some sales guys and I had to show them how to sell my product. And this is what you say, and this is what they're going to counter with. And this is what you need to say. I mean, it's just, it's just a technique, you know, it's just understanding people. And once I was able to, I got really good at that. And we had a lot of success. Four months later, I realized, wow, this is my calling. I can do really well with this. And I walked away from my corporate job. Mm. So that was in April of 2008. April 2008. Okay. So just a few months after you did your first deal, you walked away from your corporate job. Like, take me through your mindset at that point. Like, a lot of people like are in maybe a corporate job right now, want to get out. But like, you quit your corporate job like pretty soon after that, after literally just doing one deal. Like, now you're asking a great question there because it's, it's people are facing this right now, right? Yeah. They're unhappy with their job. They're yeah. unhappy with, with their W2 income and, and they don't feel like they're allowed to grow. Um, I remember, I, you know, it's funny because if you're a sales guy, you know that every year you have to put together your sales plan and you have to go and you, and I kept pushing mine back. I kept pushing mine back. Right. Cause I, I was, I was waiting. I was, I was moonlighting. I was taking two incomes in the reduced income from the apartments and the income that I have for my day job. And I wasn't doing my sales calls. I wasn't doing those kind of things I should have been doing because I was so addicted to the real estate game. Mm. And I remember sitting there talking to my wife, like, hey, listen, I'm about to walk away from a six-figure income to make, I don't know, I think it was 32000 a year, 36000 a year. Are, are you okay with it? And she was very supportive, you know, and she had her, her panic attack. But then she's like, okay, I trust you. I, I, know, I know you're going to do, do well. I know you're going to protect the family. And we made that decision together. And it was the greatest decision ever. But I remember going to turning in my, my resignation. My boss, it was April, thought I was coming in to give him my sales forecast for 2008. And I don't know if you realize, hey, we're already in the second quarter and you haven't even had my forecast. There's probably a reason for that, right? <laughs> sure. And he comes and he opens his book up. He goes, shh, I'm about to start writing in it. And I just hand him my resignation letter. And he's like, oh. And he closes the book. <laughs> and he's like, tell me about it. And next thing you know, we spent the next 35 minutes talking to he was talking to me about how he doesn't like his job mm. now he loves ranching and how he wishes he could go, go do what i do and just focus full-time on ranching wow so you're inspiring other people well and the crazy thing is it's now you know we're in 2020 that was 12 years ago 13 years ago he's still there 
Mm. So even though he had somebody and he knows who I am, he sees the success that I've had and he didn't take that chance. Anything great has to come with risk and sacrifice. It does. There's no way around it. Nobody lucks into something. You have to put yourself out there. I walked into that real estate club with a really good friend of mine and we were going to learn together. We're going to buy apartments together. This is before the partner actually met up meeting there, but he was a, he was a really good friend of mine. Uh, and he thought that the 10,000 was too high for him. I don't need this. I, I heard all I need to, he had heard all he needed to learn from the, from the two, from the two day seminar from what he heard that night. I, uh, okay. And I said, well, I'm going to join. I really like this. He went out and he bought himself a, a rent house and it went completely wrong. Mm. He, he didn't follow the principles that they teach you in the club. He, instead of trying to hire contractors that are licensed and, and, and have experience, he tried to do it himself, which is a poor mentality. You can't yeah. do that. You have to hire professionals. Your professional team is really important to you to have success. He bought a house. It took him the better part of a year to renovate. By the time that it happened, the recession had kicked in. If he had bought it and done it the right way, he could have sold the house before the recession kicked in. He wound up holding it for a long time. And I think in the end, he maybe made a couple of bucks, but it was nowhere near what his performer was. And he basically just covered his costs. And, he, and that was his exposure to real estate. And he never did real estate again, not on his yeah, own. Because of that experience. Yeah. That experience. And then here I am, I now have almost 4,000 units. Uh, the guy is no more or less talented or gifted than I am. The difference was he wasn't willing to risk. Mm. And so I think in life, you have to take some risks to get out of the box that you, that you live in every day. I love that. And I love that example that you gave. And it's a hard example because he's a really good friend of mine. And I hate to say that, you know, and, and uh, it, it hurts me, right? Because I think about how close we were and, and, and how similar we were and how different our lives are today. Mm. That's, that's so true. Like, like you even talked about, like in that moment, like you can make a decision. And, and it, a lot of times if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, you look back years later and, and you just end up regretting it. Yeah. So, okay. So really good stuff there. So next, like you've done a deal. Um, like what happens next? So you quit your job. Like what, what happens next? Then you run into it every day. And I, I really believe, like I have an expression in my company that the most important person is a person sitting in that chair because he or she is running a multi-million dollar asset and they're running it on your behalf mm. and how they run it will determine how much money you make, how they decide to lease, how they decide to renew the, the decisions that they make during the day um, dictates everything. And if I hadn't sat in that chair every day during that maturation process in the early years, I would not be where I'm at today. Mm. I know exactly what goes on in an apartment complex. I know what's, I know what events transpire. I know how easy it is to make the wrong decision versus the right decision, the easy decision versus the hard decision. Um, and it's made me a much better owner operator today. It's why I have two, two national award wins. Uh, and the only one in the country, because, you know, as, as a, my new friend, Carl Dean, who joined our company uh, for business development says, he goes, I don't know another guy that is as large an independent owner as you are. Certainly, not one that's won those awards and I credit because I got you know knee deep in it and I learned how the business worked. I literally sat in that chair as people came in wanting to lease apartments and I was so excited it was new to me right because it was fresh because every time they lease I made more money I was an owner in that deal you know and so I've learned that hey I'd like to share the ownership with everybody right so there's an opportunity for people in my company to invest 
in these deals because I believe that if they feel like they own it, they're, it's, it's just going to be better for everybody. Gotcha. They're going to grow with me. They're going to win with me. Right. So win together. So, you know, that's what I was going to ask too. So I think, um, well, I can't remember if you, you mentioned this already, but the first deal you ever got into, I think was like a 51 unit deal. And then you're getting into like a hundred unit deals, like right away. Like most people start out and they're just like, Oh, maybe I can see if I can buy like a duplex or buy a house here or there and then, and then build up. But you started like fast right away. Like how did you make that decision to start bigger? Yeah. So the very first deal I bought was in, I was the operating arm. I wasn't the syndicator was in December of 07. It was a 238 unit deal. And with that partner, he and I ran 2000 units around 10 properties. So our average size was 200 units. What I learned though, was that the smaller the deal was, the better I controlled it. But I was thinking as a small time owner operator, not a guy that was going to run a large company later. But for me, what I need at the time, I only needed 100 units. My very first deal after my, my, my exit with my previous partner was 118 units. And then it was 126. And then it was 108. And then it was 162. And because I could control it, I was sitting in the chair with the manager. But what I, so in the early years, I think small is better. I really do. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you can control it. There's not an assistant manager between you and the resident. There's not an assistant maintenance between you and the resident. It's a, it's, it's the whole, um, the whole um, grapevine theory, right? Where, where if you sell a secret, you know, how's it going to get back to you? Well, you eliminate the middleman and they go straight to you. Today, as a larger business owner, size matters. Size is everything. I made mistakes on the 51 unit deal. That's when I realized that because we went through a recession in 51, uh, an oil recession here in Houston that nobody else went through in the country. But it was 2014, 2015. When I, did the underwriting on that deal. Oil was $100 a barrel. When I closed, it was $60 a barrel. By that Christmas, it was $30 a barrel, which is still higher than what it is today at $21 a barrel, right? So I learned those lessons, but the lesson I learned was size matters because of 51 units, I couldn't hire the right kind of property manager to get me out of my troubles. 51 units, I had limited amenities. I didn't have a, a hot yoga room right? I didn't have a conference area. I didn't have a a movie theater room. I had a pool and a gym. And I'm competing with all these units that are coming online that were just recently developed because oil was $100 a barrel. And now it's $30 a barrel. And so I literally walked into a gunfight with a knife. Mm. But I learned social media. I learned websites. I learned branding. I learned reputation management. These are all, had I not learned those lessons during that time, we wouldn't be where we're at today. That 51 unit deal made us the rockstar capital brand that we are today without question i didn't make the money i wanted to make on that deal and i didn't lose money but i didn't make the money that my other deals had made um but i got some tremendous value in terms of who we're going to be later on innovate or die and that's what happened i, I could have chosen to die but i realized i'm not going to die this is my kids money on the line i signed on this note it's recourse to me if we lose i lose right so how am i going to figure this out that's when I discovered Gary Vanderchuk and Grant Cardone. Those are two. So I think, you know, if you want to move on to another segment, mentorship is a big deal, right? I had an early mentor at the real estate club. And then in time you evolve and you realize, man, if you don't exist on social media, you don't exist today. Mm. And I learned, I found those two guys and that's what helped me survive that deal. Okay. So early on, you had a couple of tough deals, but like you said, you looked at it from a positive standpoint and you got mentors. For those who don't know who he is, Gary Vaynerchuk is a very successful business social media mogul. Grant Cardone, another highly successful businessman and real estate investor. 
So at what point of growing Rockstar Capital did you think, I'm stuck? And at what point did you decide to get some help so you can keep growing? Right there in that deal, I walked into a gunfight with a knife. I did not know what I didn't know. And I was forced to learn social media. I was forced to learn websites. I was forced to learn reputation management. What I mean by reputation management is that property was my very first property that was ranked in the top 1% in the country for online resident surveys. Certainly when people are looking for you online, they're gonna look at your reviews. That property was ranked in the top 1%. There were 101,000 communities surveyed. We were in the top thousand in the entire United States, right? And that would not have happened if I wasn't forced to learn it. And that caught me, it made me realize, dude, I am not ready to survive in the future without these tools. Mm. You know, when, when I actually went to go visit with Gary and had private meetings with him, uh, spent some money because you got to pay for education and mentorship. No doubt. And he is, one of his big things is you need to find a way to put yourself out of business and then plug the hole. Mm. And that's why we're ready for today's market. That's why I have six months full reserves in most of my sites where I don't need a dollar coming in and I can survive. That's why if we can get 60% occupancy, which is very low, I can use my reserves, stretch my reserves and go, go past the year. You know, it's because we're ready for today. And you have to be right. You have to go through that adversity to realize, oh, wow, I wasn't ready. Because you have to go through the pain. If all you see is good times, what's your motivation to, you know, to be better? Mm. Complacency kills. And that's what happens. You have to, you have to sh sh uh, shake the board up a little bit. The rules of the game have to change for you to operate in the future. Love what you said there. And that advice from Gary you know, put yourself out of business before someone else does. I've heard you say that before, but can you explain to our audience what you mean by that? Well, you have to figure out what are you not good at? What are your, look, you have your strengths, but you also have weaknesses because you're not perfect. And you got to find people that can help you adapt and help you survive those weaknesses, right? I realized that we didn't have a social media presence. I literally, marketing to me was pretty flags outside, waving in the wind and designer colors. Word of mouth, the resident referrals. Oh my gosh, that that would that you would die today. You would die. And I have peers that have not figured out social media. They're just getting into it and they're probably struggling right now. They're gonna struggle. If they're not already struggling, they're gonna struggle. Um, we have full 3D tours. We have 100% paperless environment. We have 100% online, online bill pay. There's, you don't even have to visit the community before you move in. You don't. You can just come in and show up day one, somebody gives you your keys, and you're ready to go. That's, that's not the norm in our industry. People are used to coming to the office. So I think you have to figure out what, where your holes are and, and, and figure out, okay, if I have these holes, what's gonna happen? During the recession, the 2008, it became in survival of the fittest. And my sales background kept us alive, but that means I had to put somebody you know, into the dirt. And they weren't prepared. They, weren't, they were cash strapped and they weren't ready for the new guy coming into town that had a lower cost basis and a brand new renovation and was changing out all the air conditions and was putting designer colors and doing all these things. How are they, they going to compete with that? They didn't, they died. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's another example. You've got to be ready for someone else to come in and kick in the nuts. And then what are you going to do? How are you going to react to it? And that's what's going on today. I think everybody's getting a big swift kick and you're going to find out who your wartime generals are and who your peacetime generals are. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, you got to know your weaknesses, recognize them in advance, because if you don't, 
unfortunately, you're not going to survive. You have to be open-minded. I mean, look at Blockbuster and Netflix. Do you know the whole story there? The Netflix, the people that founded Netflix were actually in Blockbuster's headquarters. And they were there pitching, the future is online. We want you to invest with us. We want to be a part of your company. No, I think we're really happy with our brick and mortar stores. We need people, the customer experience is coming in and saying hi to everybody, and picking them in what movie they wanted and picking up some popcorn and some candy on the way out. Oh my gosh. That's not what happened. It's not what happened, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, Netflix sales are soaring right now because everybody's at home, right? right. But society was moving there, but Blockbuster was so dinosaur-like, they were so complacent, they were so proud of themselves that they died. They, died, they tried to get an online presence. They tried to do, first Redbox is what came first, right? Because people wanted, they didn't want to go into the, the busy Blockbuster store. They wanted to go into just a quick little convenience store or at the McDonald's and do the, you know, the Redbox. And then that died and then Netflix came. But they had all that ability. They tried to go online streaming and it was too late. Market share was gone. The, the boat had, 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 had left the, the harbor. Listen to that, everyone. Recognize the trends. Netflix was literally going to partner with Blockbuster. And look at where they are today because Blockbuster didn't recognize the trends like Robert's talking about. You recognize that everyone is online right now. You need to adapt to the times. You can't just have everyone come in, in person to lease with you. You have to know the times because if you're not ready, you're not going to be in a very good position to succeed. Do you remember the Sears catalog? It was yeah. this thick. Did you ever get one of those? Yeah. When you were a kid? Okay, I'm, I'm not sure how young you are. We got one delivered every, every however, the annual, the winter, whatever it was. It was this thick. Sears goes back into the 1800s. They were the catalog company. People would order something by mail, and they'd wait several weeks, and their baby crib would show up. Their, I don't know, whatever, whatever they ordered would show up. Their new bed would show up. They never evolved and innovated. They allowed Amazon to come in and destroy them. Because how many just go in there and I don't need to look at this catalog, baby bed. Here's my baby bed, I want this one. They could have done that, they, 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 they own that space. They were the catalog company for 150 years, 130 years. They didn't evolve. And now they're out of business. They're bankrupt, out of business. Toys R Us, another great example. Amazon took it from them. Amazon, I mean, who's winning right now? Uh, Uber Eats is winning. Favor is winning. Uh, Netflix is winning and Amazon who's hiring right now like crazy all the only the only uh, retail that's not related to those guys that's still winning is pizza delivery because already because that's that's uh, they got very fortunate that that was part of the instant gratification I'm too lazy to go pick up my pizza from the store I want it delivered so they have a huge sales force a huge driving force right they're the only ones that are surviving. Everybody else is dead. Right now, all these restaurants, right, are closed and they're relying on delivery. I've yet to see one ad on my phone for the local Mexican restaurant saying we're open. It's not there. And, and in fact, they're selling margaritas. They should tell you, hey, we'll sell you a gallon of margarita, free margarita, come purchase something, please come to our store. They're not even doing that. You're not trying. You deserve to go out of business. You're not trying to innovate. You deserve what you get. You really do. Innovate, innovate, innovate. So true what you said. And I definitely want to get more into that as well. But I first want to finish up your story. So you met with Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, and others. You got some really good mentors and realized where you were weak. So take me through from there. How did you get to where you are today? And take me through where you still want to take the company.
So Gary Vaynerchuk taught me that you're a media company first before you are a property management company, which mm. means you have to learn storytelling. I'm looking at my videographer here today, but her position didn't exist three years ago. It didn't exist until a few months after I went to go see Gary Vaynerchuk in 2017. And he, if you don't have a story to tell, how are people going to know what, what life is like to be with you? Right? No one's going through the book, the, 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 the apartment guy book anymore, trying to go through, you know, what part of town they want to live in. And okay, here's this price. And here's this price. You have a pool, you have a gym. Okay. I'm going to go there. Nobody does that. Nobody shows up on a Saturday morning and tours 10 properties anymore. They go online. They go online and they figure out from there where they're going to go on Saturday. They're going to go to maybe three and choose one. Chances are they're going to go to the first one. And if they like it, they're going to stay there. Mm -hmm. Gary taught me storytelling. He taught me reputation management. Grant showed me brand. Brand and sales. If you don't promote it, you're demoting it. You know how you know that I won two national award wins? Because I told you. Right. That we have 17 awards? Because I told you. We take that same philosophy and we put it with, with our apartment complexes. You know which of our properties has won an award. In fact, all of them have won at least one award. Uh, some of them have won that, that prestigious elite one. In fact, five of my communities are ranked in the top 1%. But you know that because we tell you. So when you go online and you search for us, you're going to see videos on what life is like. You're going to see the awards that we've won. And you're gonna and you're gonna see the online reviews. Reviews are huge for my company. Huge. We push, push, push reviews because people buy what other people say to buy. When you go to Best Buy, you don't know what TV to buy. You rely on the sales guy to tell you which TV to buy. If maybe you might go to Amazon and check your phone while you're there, but chances are, oh, this is the one everybody's buying. Let me tell you why. Pop, 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 and then you buy that one because he told you. What motivated him to tell you that? Did somebody tell him to tell you that? Or does he really know? I, I don't know. You know, uh, video games. I've done that too. Hey, I want to I buy a video game for my kid. Oh, this is real popular. Oh, how old are your kids? Okay, they're going to love this one. Okay. We're like sheep, man. We, we get herded. We get hit on the, on, on the head with, with the giant staff and told to go that way. It's the same thing with reviews. You got to sell the story. And that's what I've learned. Those are my two current mentors right now. I learned storytelling and brand promote or demote. Wow, I hope everyone was paying attention there. That's huge. Uh, I've heard Gary say that as well. Be a media company first, real estate company second, because you have to promote and let people know who you are. If you're not, and you're just waiting for them to come to you, then you're gonna be behind the curve. And Grant says be a sales company. So we are a media company, a media sales property management company. A media sales property management company. That's what you are. And you know what, you know, that information, I got some of that, you know, paying for it to go see both of them. That's free stuff, man. If you just pay attention to their stuff, that is free stuff. They give it out to you every day, every day, which is why I do a lot of content for free. I, I've yet to charge a dollar. I don't charge anything for anything that you see. And I give lessons all the time on, on how to become a better operator or just how to become a better business guy. That's free because I took it from them. Yes, yeah, so true. You can literally search Robert's name. I didn't look him up before we connected here today. He's got a lot of content out there, free stuff that's educating people. So the moral of the story is the more you put yourself out there, you know, the more you put your company out there and talk about what you're doing, the more people are going to find you. Love it. And at this point, you have over 3,700 apartment units. You manage you know, $380 million worth of assets. And this would be an interesting case study for people. So your goal is to get to, to 10,000 units 
and one million dollars worth of assets. So Robert, how do you plan on going about getting there? Growing the right team and having the humility to realize that I don't have all the answers. I'm at a point now where I'm competing with the big dogs. Uh, I'm not competing with the guy next door. I'm not competing with the guy with country club money. Uh, I, 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 I'm competing with everyone. And I realize, okay, I can't be everywhere and have all the answers. Right now, I am benefiting from the fact that the last 36 months, I recruited a team of just real skilled talent around me. My, my chief finance guy, he's got 20 years banking, done over a billion dollars in multifamily lending alone. Not only, and then he's an investor in us. My COO, she's my chief operator, she's been with me from the very beginning. She understands how I think I showed her how to be an owner operator and she runs the company. We just recruited someone to be our VP of operations, 29 years of experience working for Camden. Camden is one of the largest property management companies in the country, 29 years with them. She was there when Camden went public. They were now running, running the show. We recruited a regional supervisor, worked for Graystar, 20, 22 years, 27 years running as a senior regional manager. They're better than I am. They are at what they do. And that was my weakness. Remember, I talked about that. Innovate, find your weakness, exploit it. As if you were somebody else, put yourself out of business and then come up with a defense against it. I don't have that kind of banking experience. It's wonderful to have that guy there looking to see, hey, how's multifamily handling uh, the coronavirus? What kind of financing options are there gonna be? What's the best kind of loan? I don't have to look at that and, and pretend like I know what's going on. He also works our insurance, which saved us a tremendous amount of money. We have six months reserves today because he said, you're, you're, you're not solvent enough mm. a year ago. So we had to cut distributions last year and people didn't like it. But I said, we have to be ready for a rainy day. We were thinking property taxes or a hurricane or so. We were never thinking this, right? And, and I'm so glad I made, made those decisions. We hired uh, Rosie. Rosie joined us uh, back in December, November, December. We're already stronger. We're at, a, we're at the best point right now, occupancy that we've been all year long. And it's in the midst of the coronavirus. We leased apartments yesterday in the midst of the coronavirus. We renewed everybody in the midst of the, of the coronavirus. And I have the opportunity in the first way to sit here with you and do a podcast. Now, don't get me wrong. My phone dies at the end of every day because I'm on the phone. When I'm not going to be, when I'm done with you, I'm going to have to do a check-in. And I'll probably be on the phone for a little while. But I'm not, it's not a one-man game. All those awards, I, I, any, any future award will be a, for, for sure a team effort. And most of those awards are a team effort. I didn't win National Property of the Year. That team won. Mm. I promoted it. Thank you, Grant. There you go. So many knowledge bombs there, and we've talked about this on multiple levels. Don't try to do it yourself, whether it's getting into an industry, growing and expanding your business. You know, don't be a one-man show. Hire out. Partner with those who are strong in other areas. Like you said, you don't need to be the smartest guy in the room. But you need to be the person who's willing to delegate and learn from others. Yeah, you know what? And you have to invest in it, right? You start where you invest in yourself. You got to invest in your business. I haven't made a dollar or more in the last two years. Cause I put all my money in bringing in high priced talent, deservedly. So mm. talent that has skills, talent that other companies want them to work for them. That's when, you know, you have people, when your people gets rec get recruited and they say no, then that says two things. One, they're in demand. They have skill set, And two, they stay because of you. People don't quit jobs. They quit bosses, right? You, you, mm. I mean, like, you know, they, they had that meme going around all the time. They quit bosses. They quit the leadership. They quit not having to say so. They quit an environment that's toxic or negative. Nobody quits a company that's on its way up where everybody's winning, everybody's happy, and there's opportunities in the future. 
love what you just said there. And I think it's so important and why you'll continue to grow. And I want to get into some more tactical stuff too, because you know, a lot of people are hearing this message and they want to improve themselves, whether that's in real estate or some other industry. So let's say someone wants to get into real estate and you know, we do appear headed for a recession right now. So you talked about it a little bit already, but for people thinking about starting to invest in real estate or expanding their real estate portfolio right now, is now a good time? Um, and, and if so, how would they get started? Right now, right now is a wonderful time to pause and educate yourself. Right now. Most real estate clubs in 2020 have online capability. They have online demand videos. You watch those. Because right now you don't want to buy. Because the market, the bottom is about to fall out. Occupancy are about to fall. Next month, people are going to struggle with rent, which is why I keep telling you six months reserves, six months reserves. I'm saying that for a reason. It's not going to be six months after next month. It'll be five months because people are not going to pay their rent. If people don't pay their rents, then the valuation of that property goes down. So I didn't share this with you, but every dollar, this is the difference between multifamily real estate and single family real estate is the magic formula. That means $1 of NOI equals $17 of future valuation. NOI is calculated rents minus expenses equals NOI. So if you increase rent by a dollar, you've increased $17 valuation. You reduce ex expenses by a dollar, but you've added it to, a, you know, to, to the NOI, you've increased the NOI by $17, or valuation by $17. That has been really good to us the last several years. That's about to fall. Mm. And property's gonna be worth less in the future. Uh, that's your time to buy. Because some people are not gonna be as solvent as some others. I've seen it happen, it happened in 2009. People went under when the recession hit. It wasn't that I necessarily put them out of business. It was that what I did was draw attention to our company and their occupancy fell. And when their occupancy fell, they couldn't meet payroll. They couldn't meet debt service. They couldn't meet the minimum repairs. And they eventually had to give the, the deals back. Now, there's talk that the banks are gonna help them, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's really gonna happen or not. I don't never wanna put my future into somebody else's hands. Right. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see valuations fall, um, but then they'll bounce right back up. So there'll be a window right now. Use the next several weeks to educate yourself, let the process play out and be ready to go in two to three months. Mm. Really valuable advice there. Right now, it's the end of March 2020. And with everything going on, the market is likely to continue to go down and crash further. So don't buy right now is what you're saying really focus on educating yourself right now. So let's say someone spends the next few months or you know, however long it ends up being educating themselves. And let's say someone doesn't have a ton of finances themselves, but they have that hunger, that drive, and have always wanted to get into real estate. So what would you say to this person about how to get started investing? Well, typically those real estate clubs have networking capabilities and there's people that just want to invest passively. They don't want to syndicate the deal. They don't want to put the deal together. They want you to do it for them, but they want to make sure that you're skilled and that you've educated yourself. So partnering with other people is a really good opportunity right now. Remember my very first deal, I didn't have the net worth to buy that deal to take 238 units down, but that partner that I did, that I uh, joined with did, but he didn't have the local area knowledge, right? He didn't have the salesmanship. So it was a very good deal for me to sit there as the number two and learn sitting in the chair. At the end of the day, he's disappeared. He's still around, but I mean, he's much smarter than what he ever was, you know, and I'm, we're on the way to 10,000 units, right? Operation is key, right? So partner with somebody that has a skill set that you don't have, 
but then make sure you know when you're when you're uh when when the the date to leave is and work your way towards that and then start your own venture by yourself okay and that's a really good point so partner with someone else especially if you don't have the money yourself so let's say someone right now is thinking you know okay so I'm going to go to this real estate club. You know, I'm going to meet and connect with other people. So some people you partnered with have worked out and some haven't. So how would you go about evaluating a potential partner to do business with? Man, it is a crapshoot, man. I, I wish I could give you the golden, uh, the golden rule to that. <laughs> I think you have to go off a of feel. I think you have to go off a of track record. I think you have to ask them, okay, well, I think you should do a criminal background check. Who are you about to put your name with? You know, who are you going to sit there with? Does he have a good name in the industry? Does he have a good name at all? Or does he have a bad name? That, you know, your past is an indication of your future, for sure. You know, I don't want to associate myself with a criminal. You can't. It's going to hurt you, right? So that's number one. I think number two, you realize, okay, what skill set does he have? What hurt me in those early days was fear. Mm -hmm. Because I stuck with my partner about two years longer than I was with him for three and a half years. I was there with him at least 50% longer than what I should have out of fear. I, I should have said, okay, you have money up front, but once I had a certain amount of experience, experience can offset money when it comes to the banks. If you have a track record, they'll lend you the money. They're in the business lending money, but they have to have a good risk to lend it on. If you have no experience and no money, they're not going to lend you any money. But if you have experience, experience is everything. You always hear people say, hey, I would trade it all back if I can go back and be 22 years old, 22 year old, 22 years old again, but keep my knowledge. Experience is everything. Knowledge is everything, right? So you can... Um, Partner with somebody that has a skill set you don't have, but you need to develop that skill set as soon as you can. Because what happens in a partnership is that somebody's sex gets bigger than the other. And that's when it becomes unfair. Partnerships end. Mm -hmm. But if there's already an understanding, I'm going to work my day job. You're going to run the apartment deals. We're going to split whatever percentage you decide to split on. It's fine. It's written, it's written, written down. Everybody signed it and you're good. But there needs to be a deadline to that. So if you're going to network with somebody to get your first deal going, understand it's your first deal. Gotcha. Your first deal. Don't be, don't be, don't expect him to be there in deal five. First couple, three deals. And that's it. I mean, I look at him today in a very different set of eyes than the day that I met him. He's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. I don't talk to him anymore, but he's a good guy. But that's what happens when partnerships end, the friendship ends with it. Mm. Right. So it needs to be very transactional. You need to sit there and learn. I thought that he knew everything I could ever possibly know. I, I thought he knew everything I didn't know. Once I got to the point, like, wait, hmm, the emperor really doesn't have any clothes, does he? You know, when they start repeating things that you said in meetings, and they start, they start telling you, no, that's the wrong answer. And then six months later, they're saying, oh, they start repeating that to other people and taking credit for it. You're like, huh, I thought it was the wrong answer because you gave him too much credit. You didn't believe in yourself. And fear kept me from moving on further than when I should have. Gotcha. So partner up, but make sure it's very transactional. And I think a lot of people might get into it with close friends and family. And you're saying you shouldn't get into it with someone who's your family or a friend. Find someone who's going to have a skill you don't have, but is going to be more of a business relationship. It has to be. I mean, it really needs to be because at the end of the day, if you have to choose, you're going to choose yourself. If you have to, if it's between you and your kids and him and his kids or their family, what are you going to do? 
You know, I don't want to sound callous, but I've been through the broken hearts. I know what it's like to, to have, to, to go through that kind of situation. It's like a divorce. It hurts, you know, and you have to remember that everybody got into it for a reason. He got into it for his own reasons too, you know, and, and you just need to make sure that you know, which eyes wide open, this is what I'm going in. And this is my deadline. And then you evaluate your situation at that time. Because I thought, you know, you get really close to someone, you think your brothers, you think your family, money changes everything. You play with somebody's money, you play with their emotions. Mm. Very wise words there. And I want to get into another topic. So you focus a lot on multifamily investing, but you know, there are also a lot of other routes to go, like flipping houses, wholesaling. So how did you choose your particular route for real estate and how should a person choose which route to go? At the time I joined to buy three, four rent houses when I joined that real estate club. Once I realized the power of multifamily, I never even looked back on it again. I didn't because it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. It allowed me to deploy large amounts of cash at one time and then get a return on them. And then later seek a huge return on that investment. What single family does, single family I think is meant for people that are lower on cash and have a lot of time and can get into that deal. They can get into it, turn it, and either flip it out for cash or hold it for a period of time. But make no mistake, operations and multifamily and operations and single family are very different. So is the valuation. So I think single family should ever be, every, if you're trying to raise cash, you should try to buy a house first. Buy a house, get the repairs going, create the equity, hold it for a year, learn what it's like to be a landlord, make some cash flow and pull that equity out. Do it again as uh, two or three times as you're getting that, the equity built up. And when you're ready, make that pull into multifamily because the multifamily is where $1 equals 17. That doesn't exist on single family. Single family, you're based against your comps. I have no comps in multifamily. You create valuation, your NOI grows, they apply the cap rate and that's what it's worth. I don't know anybody that has single family deals and is mega, mega successful. Not one. Because you get to a capacity where it's, it's also a, a um, what's the word? It's like a Subway franchise. Mm -hmm. You don't know of any, many franchise guys with several stores because they become the owner operator, right? And they're the ones making the sandwiches for you every day. And it's like all they did was trade their day job for to be the owner of their Subway franchise. It's the same way with single family. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a small mentality thing. To get bigger mentality, you have to get bigger. You have to buy multifamily. You get larger. There's no way I'd have the success today I have if I had stuck with, if I started single family. There's no way. There's no way. Love what you just said there. And let's say someone, there's someone right now who has a mindset of, that sounds really scary to me. You know, it's hard to think about investing that much or doing all this stuff and taking risks. And if there's someone right now who wants to be successful, but it just sounds so scary to step out there, what are the first couple steps you would tell that person to get their mindset right? It's supposed to be scary. That's why nobody does it. That's why you only have a few people, successful people in the, in the, in the world versus the millions and billions out there. It's not scary. It's not worth pursuing. Your goals don't scare you. You got the wrong goals. Mm. I mean, I think that's a grand cardonism. If your goals don't scare you, you've got the wrong goals. It's not supposed to be easy. And that's why you grow. You grow because you challenge yourself. You know, uh, as you know, physical fitness, right? It's, you got to stress your body. You got to go to failure on those, on those bench presses or on those push-ups. You got to push yourself. And guess what happens? The next time you do it, it's a little bit easier, isn't it? 
It is. Right? You're trying, I want to, I can't do 20 push-ups and you can only get to 10. What well, next thing you do, you get to 15. And then, oh, wow, and then after a little bit of time, you get to 18 and then 20 and then 22. And one of these days, you realize, man, it was, it's so easy to just do 20 push-ups. It's the same way in business. It's the same way in life. You've got to challenge yourself to get to the next level of life. If it's scaring you, you got the right goal. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be something different. Everybody else, everybody walks away from, from because of fear. I could have bought a deal, my own deal. I talked to the lender. I could, I could have bought my own deal in August of 2008. It was the most successful deal that he and I bought together. I found it. He didn't want to buy it. I pointed up and put 200000 of my own money into it. He put 50000 of his money into it. But he walked away with more money in that deal when it finally sold because he signed on the note. But it was my deal. He, was, he told me I couldn't do it. Oh, you don't have the bandwidth. You don't have it, whatever. Okay, and I found out years later that I could have. And they didn't understand why, well, because I was afraid. It was my only my second deal. I was afraid to do it. I think, like, wow, if I could have had that money way back when, early on, I would have been able to triple, quadruple it later on in life. Right. I didn't do it because I didn't take my swing. I didn't take my shot. But, you know, it's okay. You learn those lessons, right? Mm -hmm. you, you always hear Gary Vaynerchuk talk about the Uber story, how he could have invested in Uber two, three times. And he finally got in later. Because that, that $50,000 that he said would have been worth like hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, but he didn't take a shot. He right. waited two more rounds before he did it, right? And that's, that's life. That's just, you don't cry about it. You learn it as a lesson. Take risks and learn from them. If your goal doesn't scare you, you don't have a big enough goal. Love it. So take me through right now how you go about evaluating a deal. For someone listening here, we've talked about evaluating potential partnerships. Now, I want you to talk more about evaluating a deal. Number one is I want to make sure that whatever I want to buy, somebody else wants to buy it too. Number one, I don't get into anything unless I know how many get out of it. Mm -hmm. 51 units, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was difficult to get out because it's really small. I had to find the right kind of buyer to get out of it. You go buy 200, 300 units, a lot more people want to buy those kinds. People recognize size is important, right? Um, location is important. It's always been important. Location, location, location has always been rule number one in real estate, and it will always be rule number one. But social media allows you to make a couple of mistakes. You can buy at the end of a dead-end road, and but if you've you got a great social media presence, you can overcome it. But why do you want to do that if you don't have to? I, always, I, I like buying in, in the suburbs because that's where the schools are. The best schools in the state are in the suburbs. They're not in Houston or Dallas. They're, they're, in, they're, in, they're in the suburbs of Houston and Dallas or San Antonio, right? So I like to follow where the schools are because where schools are, that's where the families want to be. And families want to stay in the same school district, so they renew. The key to uh, making money in multifamily is the renewal game, not the, when they move in. It costs me thousands of dollars when somebody moves in from vacancy loss specials, getting the unit ready, payroll. But when they renew, I make money. Because I don't have that expense, and they typically pay a rent bump, $15, $20, $50. And, I, and as you remember, $1, $17 in valuation, that's every month. That helps. That's a big number. Uh, and so everything we do is with the renewal in mind. So when you buy those deals, you have to think about that. What is the reputation of that deal? Is it a really poor reputation or is it a good reputation? I'm going to make it better. We're going to put steroids in it. My marketing team, is we're going to jack it up, and we're going we're gonna to try to make it a top 1% uh, uh, winner. But it'd be easier if we're already starting here than having to start there. Right. So those are a lot of things that we look for. But make sure that whatever deal you want, you know how to get out of. You know that there's a market for it. 
I like well, deals that that where the owner has held it for a long time because complacency is everything. You know, I've got a, I had I've got two deals in contract. Well, I had two deals in contract. I walked out, of, walked away from one of them because yeah. uh, the margin was going to be too thin with this recession that was about to hit. I let it go. But the other one, longtime owner, he's actually the owner of another deal that I sold uh, in December that I held for a long time, and he held for a long time, and there was so much juice on that. So I know his operations. He's it's he's a complacent lawyer. Uh, um, complacent uh owner i don't want to say lazy he's just complacent happy with the success of when they bought it they just get a yield off of it those are the best for me because they haven't they haven't innovated yet they don't really have a website they have no social media presence uh um they're they're not charging back what they should be charging back to the residents there's a lot of inefficiencies out there i don't want to buy a deal that's been traded hand three four times because people just like me have come in and fine-tuned it, fine-tuned it, fine-tuned it. There's not going to be a lot of meat left in the bone. So true. So much value in what you just said. I think a lot of people will get value out of hearing what goes through your brain when evaluating a deal because all those things are super important. So a lot of people listening might not be in real estate, but they might be in another profession and want to be successful. So... What are your top two or three principles of success that you think apply across all professions? Um, I think your personal reputation is very important. I think you have to be willing to die literally for what you want and you got to be willing to make a change. You know, you got to be the last, you got to make sure that if times get tough, you're the last one to turn off that light. Not one of the first ones. You're not somebody in line. I think having a lot of personal um, responsibility for yourself and your family is really key. The good work, the work ethic comes with that. And, you know, I can't teach heart. I can give you some skill set. I can give you some education and knowledge you can, you can develop, but you have to want to be there. You have to have heart. And I think not everybody has heart. I think there's so many people that are, that are willing to, um, um, willing to just walk away when, when times get tough. I think that'd be the number one thing. Are you, are you willing to stick it out? There's a lot of guys that started in that, in that class with me that no longer are around. They paid their 10K. It didn't work out. They had, a little, they had a little bump in the road. They walked away. Never saw them again. Lots of them. That's, it's the 80-20 rule. Are you going to be part of the 80 or are you going to be part of the 20 that make it? I think that would be the number one rule. Like how much heart do you have? I surround myself with heart. You know, I, I do. I want loyalty. I want people around me. I know people aren't going to quit. If I take care of them, they're going to take care of me. Right now, we've guaranteed everybody in our company their payroll, no matter what happens for the next several months, because I have the money. I'm going to make sure you're fine, because I don't need you showing up to work wondering, am I going to get laid off like everybody else has been laid off? Right. Not at this company. You're going to have safety, because we will get through it. So many great principles there, and especially, like I said, you've been in it for the long run, so you can't just dabble. You've really got to master it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let me ask you a question. I mean, if uh, being physically fit... What separates people who are physically fit versus other guys? I'm not. I wish I was. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the Corona 15 right now, just like uh -huh. the freshman 15. You know, what do you, think, what do you think separates yourself? I mean, honestly, it's the mindset. It's going in with the exact same principles. It's, it's going in with the notion that, okay, I'm in this for the long run, and you have to commit to it. You can't just be someone who's going to say, I'm going to do this for a couple weeks and then be fit. You have to consistently put in the work when you don't want to do it day in and day out and you have to think about more about enjoying the process versus the end result you have to focus on 
becoming the type of person who works out or becoming the type of person who eats well and gradually build it up over time versus trying to go all in at once and just setting yourself up for failure. So I agree with that the mindset is so huge, whether it's fitness, whether it's real estate or anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's little bitty changes every single day that help you get to where you're going to be in the future. Love it. And I want to go into the final round questions right now. You know, it's been really great so far, but take me through the day in the life of Robert. You know, what's your morning routine like and what are some of your daily and weekly rituals that you practice? You know, I don't even remember what life was like before Corona. It's, 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 it has literally been a mind wipe uh, of stuff. Um, I try to work out three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get up and I, I make that a priority. Uh, so I can try to be physically fit. It gives me a chance to kind of let some of the stress out, but also let my mind think. My best thinking is after, after my gym time. When I'm doing a little cardio, whatever, I just sit there. I get on the phone with somebody. I listen to a podcast. I do something. I, I try to remember what happened the day before, what's on my head. And next, sometimes you sleep on it, and the, the answer comes to you, you know, the next day. It just happens, or it's in the shower. I try to keep a pen and pad handy. Cause I get these little random ideas all the time. I'm like, Oh, I got to write that down because if you don't, you forget it. And I'm really bad. I probably miss most of most of those things. Even though I have a pad, I, I, I put something off, you know, and I should remember I have my phone We're we're glued to this. Right. So it's like, I should just use the notepad there. Um, I think that's number one. I think you got to keep challenging yourself or it gets bored, boring, you know, part of the growth. Uh, I love bringing in new, new people. It's like I'm playing chess, right? I, I'm, I'm changing out this piece and adding a new piece there. You know, and, and I had to remember that I have to do that or else I'm not going to hit my growth, my, my goals, my investor aren't going to hit their goals. And as a whole, we're not going to be better. You got to make sure that if it's important to you, you're willing to put it number one, you know, you're fit physically, you're physically fit. Your fitness is very important to you. That's one you're it's for you. It's higher than it is for me. I wish it was higher, but you yeah. know, uh, it's, it's what you have to make a priority. So just try to think what, what can you do a little bit better today? Uh, the challenge. And I think when you bring in new people, new ideas, man, it just having to have to have, you have another person that you got to talk to and it stimulates stuff. You just get your head going. Right. right. And, and you got, you know, you have, um, the key is execution. So the more people you have, the more things are going to get done. I just had a car. I'm looking at him over here. He's doing business development. I'm so happy to have him because he's going to help us get on more stages. He's going to help us push our brand more. And I need that. I need that for the innovation. I need that to challenge me. I need that as another, I mean, I never imagined that position existing a year ago, much less three years ago, but right. it exists today because that's where we're going. And, 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 and it's the challenges. You got to have another, look, I've hit my financial goals. I have, I, I could sell it all today and you'll never see, see from me again, but I'll have a great life. I, I, I don't want, I don't want that good life that I have today getting in front of the great life that I could have tomorrow. And I just tell myself that there's more, there's more, there's more. But when you bring in new people and new ideas, oh man, it's a lot of fun. It makes it very enjoyable. It makes, makes you want to get up out of bed in the morning. Be constantly adding people to your life. Be constantly challenging yourself, constantly wanting to get better. And that really seems to be what you focus on every day. And I know you're a big fan of self-education. So what do you do to stay sharp? You know, podcasts, anything else? And what recommendations do you have for people to stay sharp? Yeah, you know, I think there's education and there's actually doing, right? So I really enjoy podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. I like, I'm not a big reader anymore, you know, of the classics or stuff. I, I'm just in the car or I'm by my computer. I put my AirPods in. 
I mean, I just try to educate myself, but it's got to be interesting to me. Like in my whole life, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, I've probably read less than five books from cover to cover. I'm embarrassed. Uh, but I listened to a whole lot of hours of podcasts, yeah. you know, because it was boring to me. It just was boring to me. Yeah. It just wasn't interesting to me. Uh, um, I, I, for it to be interesting to me, I had to go get the cliff notes, read them first, and then read the book. So, it, so I, I kept knowing, knowing what was going to happen. I'm one of those guys where I would start watching a, 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 a new show on Netflix. And I know a friend of mine recommended it. Like, okay, I'm in episode one, but I need to know what's going to happen here so I can stay engaged in the show. Otherwise, I lose interest. I don't like having too many mysteries, right? So what I like podcasts, it comes straight at you. Straight at you. I like the personalities of a Gary and a Grant, right? And I alternate. I become more Gary at times. I become more Grant at times. It just depends on where, where I'm at in my, in, my, in my mental state. But I'm looking for new people. I like hearing you know, new ideas, new things. And then I like seeing it being implemented, right? So um, I think uh, you have to find your own balance of what works for you. Some people can sit there and they can just go through books. I just have a little bit of too much ADD now uh, as an adult. And I, I just, I have to have it be interesting to me. It's, I've got to hear it in my ears. I got to think about it. I push pause. I rewind. It's just, that's why I never finish a book. I just, I, I can't stay still. I went like, what was that? I'm going to go back and listen to the last two minutes again. I'm going to go back and reread the last three pages again. Cause I didn't pay attention. It happens to me all the time. And it's because my mind is, I don't drift. I'm just thinking about something I just heard and I just lost the next pieces. Right. So, you just have to find your your own balance. Right. Find your own thing. And I can relate to a lot of what you're saying on so many levels. So I've got two more questions for you. First, where can people find out more about you? And then in like 30 seconds or less, why should they consider investing with Rockstar Capital? All right. Number one, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, under Apartment Rockstar. You can go to LinkedIn, find me under Robert Martinez or the Apartment Rockstar. We have a series of YouTube videos, but LinkedIn's a great source because we do full article contents. And I, I thank Gary for that because he put that into me that I have somebody on staff to sit there and ghostwrite for me and, sit, and interview me and help me put out content. And it's challenging. It's fun. It's fun. I'm like, oh, I got my call with Jonathan. I got to sit there. Okay, what's John going to talk about today, right? So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook, Robert Martinez, or you can find me on Instagram. But that, but you don't just go to follow. You go to listen. You go to educate. You go to try to make yourself learn something that you didn't know the moment before. Because why the hell would you follow somebody, right? I, I don't follow Gary because he's, a, he's a this or that. I follow because the guy says something to me. He says something that, that wakes me up, that, 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 that makes my mind go off, right? So whoever you follow, follow someone that inspires you. Love it. Love it. And then why should they invest with Rockstar Capital? Why they should invest with Rockstar Capital? Well, to date, we have 12, 100% uh, cash out refinancing. That means you gave me money at the start of the deal. Three to four years later, along the deal, you make cash flow. Three to four years later, we do a big, large refinance, which is tax-free. I gave you the lion's share of your business, of your, of your equity back. And over time, we built the rest of it. And by the end of 10 years, you have a 3x return on your money. Very few, there's nobody else in the country that's won two national award wins. There's very few in the, in the, in the country that have won 17 awards the way we have since 2011. Um, we innovate. We, we just push. We, we've, become, uh, we've grown out of nothing and now have a national brand. And that's who's going to be guarding your money is the guy that's going to keep pushing it. I have 100 million reasons uh, for my investors to make sure that I innovate, to make sure that I push, to make sure that I grow this company right. Uh, believe me, 
they're not sending me scared emails. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Because I stay informed with them. I communicate with them. You're always gonna know how your investment's doing if you're with Rockstar Capital. Love it. And last question I always like to ask, just give me your 30 second version or less. So when it's all said and done, how does Robert Martinez want to be remembered? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, before I forget, follow us on our website, rockstarcapital.com. You'll see everything there. And I'll post uh, yeah. Thank you. I want to be remembered. I want like, it was like what Gary says. I want to have the largest funeral possible. I want, want like people standing remotely. I want, and that's only going to happen if people know that you helped change their life. That's only going to happen when people know that you gave a shit about them. And it wasn't about money and it wasn't about personal ambition that you're actually trying to grow and help them become a little bit better than what they were before you found them. You know, whether that's through education, whether that's through assistance, whether that's through some mentorship, whether that's through just giving a direction. You know, I want to make sure I'm that guy that put family and his company first before he put um, financial gains. The, the money will fall, will come. You know, I've yet to spend a dollar on, on, on fundraising because I don't have to. People come find me, right? Because they hear about our track record, but the track record comes from the team. I didn't win the 17 award wins. I won three of those. The other 14 came from individual efforts or from the team effort. You know, the two national award wins, which was in 2013 and now in 2019, uh, came from the award. In 2013, it was probably me because I was only in the business for a little bit of time. In 2019, to win that award, that is a team effort, right? So, but why did they work so hard for you? Why did they put that effort for you? Why were they willing to put other things less priority and put your goals and your priorities first for them? And it's because you invest in them. You ask them, how can I help you? And you, you gave them that assistance. And the thought is, is that if I help you get what you want, you're probably going to help me get what I want. Awesome, Robert. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge. And thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much. It was a fun time. I, I hope this goes off well. Absolutely.